The soul of summer in Columbus. The long weekends, the return of festivals, the connection with friends on a rooftop under the stars. The just five more minutes while on an adventure with your tiny travelers. Long live summer and the exploration of Columbus's neighborhoods. Discover itineraries from your favorite Columbus residents like Jenny Britton and Coyote Peterson and learn how to make this summer one to remember. Plan every detail, every minute of summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash live forward. At Smoky Bones, meat is what we do, and we do it all while taking our inspiration from everywhere, from New York strips and buffalo wings to St. Louis ribs drenched in Kansas City sauce. Our meat mastery knows no bounds. We grill it, smoke it, pull it, carve it, you name it. So come try our new rib feast. That's a house rack of ribs, two sides, garlic bread, and a drink for just $19.99 when you dine in. At Smoky Bones, meat is what we do. Limited time only while supplies last were permitted by law. Welcome back to another week of the Razball Prospect Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Lifshitz. It's a big day for me. I just released my top 100 this afternoon over on Razball. But Lance and I are going to talk a little bit about top 100 probably, but we're going to focus on the future game roster as sort of the overall theme of this show. Um, this show is going to come out the day before the Futures game, so it's sort of perfect timing for everybody as like a primer before they watch the game. They can listen to the podcast maybe right before the game, know exactly who they should be looking out for, some of the storylines, just have a better overall feel for uh, what this game kind of means. Lance, welcome to the show. Hey, Glad how's to have it going? You back, man. I missed you. I know. It's it's weird not having to lead off the pod now. I'm happy I'm giving that back to you. I feel like you're betting <laughs> with those duties. <laughs> I tried my best, quickly. but oh, man. <laughs> it felt so foreign to me. Oh, man. Futures like game Sunday. a new Sunday. pair of underwear. New pair of underwear, absolutely. I feel like we should have underwear sponsor. We gotta, we gotta get gray on that. Uh, with some meundies, uh, we can't, we can't plug them. This is weird. All right, futures game <laughs> Sunday, Ralph. I'm, I'm very excited. This is uh, probably, honestly, Ralph. I don't know about you. I think this event got me into prospects when I was much younger. I, was that true for you? Okay. Like, I think this was some one of the things I first started kind of digging into when I was like in my later teens, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, there's a lot of young guys here. It's a consolidation of all the really good talent. This year is another fantastic example of that. I remember in the past, the world teams used to be substantially better than the USA teams. Yeah. This year, the USA team is loaded with talent, yeah, loaded with talent. I think all the guys I pick out that I really want to see that I haven't gotten a chance to see extensive tape of or seen live are on the USA team. So I'm, I'm really, really excited for this one. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I'd have to say that... Uh... Maybe a few years back when maybe I wasn't as uh, drastically obsessive about my prospecting, 
it probably was, you know, one of the opportunities I got to maybe get a little bit more into these guys and get a little bit more familiar. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking maybe like five, six years back. Mm -hmm. I want to say, you know, uh, right around the time I started having kids and had babies and all that sort of stuff and then got boring, didn't go out anymore. So then I started digging out fantasy baseball, but I mean, I was always into prospects. Like I, I would read baseball America more period, you know, periodically, not as, as, you know, religiously as I do now, where I just try to take a, as much information nonstop and I don't watch any other sports. Um, yep. I can't credit it totally with that, but I can see, you know, how it's built up enthusiasm throughout the fan base of MLB and certainly introduced a lot of people to this game when it's on, on a Sunday. And, you know, it's sort of the perfect time when people are tuning into baseball. I always feel like Sunday afternoons are like the perfect baseball time. It's why they play all those damn games on Sunday afternoon. Right. Absolutely. You know, lazy Sunday afternoon in the summer, especially if it's super hot outside, you come into the air conditioning, watch the game for a few hours. Uh, and it's exciting. And I think that for us po prospect hounds now, it's an opportunity for us to maybe be like, Hey, look at this guy's doing, this is one of my guys, or this is, you know, uh, typical of what this guy does or whatever it might be. And it just gives you an opportunity also. And I said this last night in the baseball show with, uh, Andy Singleton, we had Scott green on of, uh, prospects 1500. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be at the futures game. Actually, he's running like a, uh, symposium or whatever it is with like Love Ben it. Badler and a few other speakers, uh, from, you know, different sites. So, uh, getting off track there, but what I had, had sort of said too, is I think it's the first opportunity even for guys like me to see these guys in high definition, you know, uh, in good tape that doesn't come from like, you know, 2080 or baseball census, who obviously does a great job with the firsthand looks, but you know, a lot of times when you watch games on MILB and I try to watch as many as I can, sometimes the broadcast kind of suck, even if it's triple it A, sometimes true. it's not good. You know, the angle stinks. They don't have multiple camera angles and all that sort of stuff. And uh, it's fun. I, I, I feel like, you know, overall, it's the most fun event for, for myself of the weekend. Um, and I'm not somebody that hates on the home run derby, the all-star game or anything like that. But certainly at this point, I, I look forward to the Futures game more than anything. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, I think the Futures game has become a thing that, honestly, across sports, too, this goes into a lot of other sports. I know in the NBA and even in the NHL, people are just becoming more cognizant of the premier prospects in each sport, just interested in the young talent because they know that eventually that young talent will become the premier talent that they'll be watching and they'll be cherishing it. Obviously, you look at guys like Gleyber Torres and Juan Soto and just the, the progression of guys like that, I think, make other teams interested. When they're watching players like that, you know, like if you're in the NL East and you're, and you're a Mets fan watching Juan Soto and you go, wow, that kid is amazing. Like, who else do we have in our system you look at Andres Jimenez you look at Peter Alonzo and some of these other guys and same thing if you're like a like a like a Blue Jays fan and you see a guy like um Gleyber Torres succeeding and you look down to your farm system you see guys like Boba Shang and Kevin Biggio sure. and it's like I think that that's honestly one point. of those things that that makes more people interested when they see other young talent progressing and succeeding they become more cognizant of the talent in their system and their team system because I know baseball is a regional sport but this is almost the side of uh, you get you get nationally interested in the prospect circles, I think, and I think that's super important. So I'm excited. I'm not sure what time the game starts. I think it's right around like three ish, or is it a noon start or something weird? Let me check quick. Get these facts I, right. I, <laughs> I, I would have to double check that. I I think it's usually a three o'clock game. And I was going to make one more other point that sure. I think with all the different minor league all star games, it almost gets hokey. Where like you got you know a ten or team league or something, and for whatever godforsaken reason, they have two full all star squads, and it's like you know, <laughs> you know, like like. Mm -hmm. 
a large percentage of the league, like two full teams are more or less represented out of 10 is a little wacky, right? You know, we have yeah. 20% of the, the players are, are all stars, right? Um, now it makes for fun that I think you, you allow a lot of different prospects to come together for an event and promote your league. Sure. But there's no sort of across levels, minor league all-star game for obvious reasons. And I think this sort of stands as that example, you know, where, Everyone's excited when their guys make it. Everyone's excited to watch the prospects from their team. Um, and, you know, everyone's excited to watch the biggest guys, especially for fantasy baseball purposes, that they feel may have an impact, uh, mm-hmm. whether in the Dynasty League over the next couple of years or even in the second half of uh, the season here. Absolutely. 4, 4 p.m. start on the Futures game. Just looked it up, Eastern time. So uh, that's Beautiful. Perfect. That's perfect time. I love it. I love it. Ralph, do you want to... Do you want to dig into, uh, very quickly, I actually wanted to ask, you know, we, we rambled on the Futures sure. games here. We're going to backload, I think, going through the rosters until the end of the show. So hop to like the maybe 40-minute mark if you're interested in just hearing our thoughts on that and who we're going to watch. But obviously you mentioned uh, in the intro of this, Ralph, that your top 100 list came out. I think your top 500, you said it's coming out Sunday. Is that correct? Yep. Sunday? Yep. Good. So I want to ask very quickly, we can touch on this, and I know the last podcast, if anyone is missing out on Ralph's top 100 and some banter around that, go back to the last podcast. We extensively talked through the whole show, I think, was just talking through the Ralph's process, and uh, it was almost me interviewing you. So uh, <laughs> get away from that. Get back to the regular banter. But very quickly, I just want to ask you, the process of like 250 to 500 is just something that I've never even dug into. I mean, I think I've only ranked, I mean, when I look at my top 100s that I've done in the past, I usually get down to like 180-ish guys, 175, 180. But 250 to 500 must have been insane. Uh, how confident are you feeling in a lot of your ranks? Like, I think that that's just a beast to go under. And I know we mentioned off air very briefly that you said there isn't probably too much difference between like the 250 and the 400 guys. But, but I don't know. Highlight a couple of those guys maybe later that you're interested in or just what the process would like. I'll have to pull that list up in front of me, actually, if I'm going to be able to like pull some people up. Yeah, it's but, deep guys. Yeah, I mean, I, but like one guy that, that sticks up, you know, you know, off the top of my head is someone like Austin Listy, who just got you know promoted to to Double A and was really good in high. And now he's 24. He's a left-handed power-hitting prospect. Um, I think he's a lefty. I don't think he's a righty. I'm almost I can positive. Check. I can confirm. You have to check that for me <laughs> to confirm. Um, but uh, he's a guy that's had good numbers. He's now going up to Reading. And, you know, I've, I've read relatively good reports on him that, you know, it, it's it, it's a better package than maybe has been advertised. And uh, he's a guy that's like 270, you know, so it gives me an opportunity to sneak some of those guys in and not have to be too aggressive in how much I push him. But like they're not all that far off from like a guy like maybe an Edwin Rios, who has put up relatively good numbers across you know all levels of the minors. But there's still some questions as to whether that guy can be a major league player now. I think that the thing is, is I want all these players to be on your radar. That's really what my statement is more than anything else. You know, maybe there's someone like, uh, uh, Braden Bishop, you know, from the Mariners organization, yep. who's just a really good across the board player and has a good glove. I know that, you know, uh, Connor Kirk and I were talking about like the top Mariners prospects today on Twitter. And that's why I think Bishop came to mind, yep. but you know, he's a guy where he probably has a major league future and, we don't know how much more his offense could develop. If it ticks up a little bit, you know, maybe he goes up into that level where he is, you know, a legitimate uh, deeper league fantasy player, you know, especially in, you know, five by five leagues where his average is okay. And maybe hits at the top of the lineup, scores some runs, steals some bases and is in the lineup every day because of his gloves. So sometimes there's guys like that, that maybe aren't as flashy or don't have the upside of some of the players I'm ranking. And other times there's guys that, fit in there because they're on the cusp and they might have an opportunity just to produce in the short term. Even if I think the overall picture isn't as bright as some other guys. And then, 
you know, I'm, I'm able to sneak in a lot of really young J2 players, really get in on all of the different uh, good uh, uh, draftees, some of these prep players that, you know, sort of s- snuck back a couple of rounds uh, just due to signability concerns that I ended up signing. You know, players like that that I feel you can really sneak in. Now, one of the things with the process, if you want me to get into that uh, a little sure, bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, go for it. What I tried to do was I really tried to, and I think you saw this because you saw the list in different mm-hmm. sort of iterations and I guess shapes is probably the yep. best way to put it. You know, it was almost like uh, one of those like magnadoodles where you have to you know, <laughs> slowly like, you know what I mean? And, like you get the particles together and like it gets into a mass and then you can sort of shape it into something, yep. you know, and that's that's kind of what it's like. So I, I try to group all the pictures together. And then when I grouped all the pictures together, I tried to rank them together. And then guys that I thought were similar, I try to just like put together and then would just like parse out as I like ranked in guys for whatever reason proximity you know maybe i thought the sky had a little bit higher upside or the floor was a little bit higher like there's just not not every player has the same reasoning behind it why he's higher than another player it really just comes down to looking at it player for player for player and 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 there's no set formula necessarily for why one guy is better than another it's it's so many different reasons and you know one factor could be really high now there's things that i certainly um value more than than other i guess assets or skills or profiles and certainly one of them i think is speed and power that combination hit tool and on base percentage with power um i love those sort of guys i'm always going to be really aggressive on them i think that's why i'm so aggressive on jonathan india who's had some results you know alec Baum hasn't had so many results Mm -hmm. thus far but i think they're probably coming i'm not gonna jump off any buildings yet about alec bomb because uh he had a rough couple of weeks you know it's totally silly so i think i i think it's it's bigger picture and i also try to look at things long term as well like who do i really want to own and i also tried to bring other people in like yourself and then you know uh i know Mike Young, who I mentioned before, who's a buddy of mine where I'm in a couple of dynasty leagues with, who I really respect his opinion. I had him take a look and then Tom Trudeau from dynasty guru, just to get some different perspectives. Cause I know all you guys look at things a little differently. You value different things. Mm-hmm. And I just try to take each opinion to heart and then sort of readjust value and say, okay, I got a different perspective on this. And then maybe I can see it a little bit differently as maybe I dig a little bit deeper and try to question my own beliefs. So I think a lot of that process and why it took 15 days or so to really get the real rankings sort of into any sort of shippable shape um, was because I just kept questioning like what players I liked and why I had this guy over another person. I mean, it was uh, it was a monster process, but I think you have to follow something. And I think a lot of it was I just went system by system and just put players in. And then I put in all my first year player draft guys I ranked all those guys I ranked my J two guys. I added those to first year player drafts. I mean, you saw some of these different lists and then I added those guys and then I had to sort of go back and then just like put the pieces back together where they should sort of fit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't think they always make sense. And I think, you know, sometimes people will overreact about 20 to 30 to 40 to even 50 spots where those tiers are close and it's just, a couple of things I like better. And then this guy was better than this guy. And this, these two guys that are 50 spots apart really aren't all that far apart. In my opinion, they should both be owned, but it's just, when you look at, you know, 
how many, I mean, how many levels do we have in the minors? We have, you know, triple A, double A, high A. We have, you know, low A. We have short season ball. Mm -hmm. We have advanced rookie ball. We have rookie ball. We have uh, the Dominican Summer League as Mm -hmm. well, which is like a lower level of rookie ball. And then we have guys that are like hung back in instructional leagues, right? That are like prospects that are injured. So when you look at that, take that. All right. So that's what? Eight, nine, nine teams, like times 30. That's the number of players we're looking at. And I'm parsing it down to 500, which is a small piece of the pie. A hundred is so small. 200 is still really small that I think even I feel like prospect list should be like top 250. Like baseball America should do a top 250, you know, baseball yeah. perspective should do a top 250 because they're cutting out. a there, lot. Yeah. And you value certain things more toward the top because it's safer. I think that pitching to them is a lot safer for real life value because really good pitching prospects hold a lot more weight. I think in like trade value in terms of team value, but most of the people that follow prospects, listen to podcasts like this, read articles like mine, go to prospect sites, subscribe to baseball. America are doing it because they're in dynasty leagues. That is really why they're doing it. I think that's probably, I want to say 80%, but I'll be conservative and say 70, <laughs> you know, I mean, go into a chat, go into a chat on fan graphs and, and see how many questions get asked to Eric Loggenhagen about fantasy. And he says, I haven't played fantasy in 10 years. You know, like <laughs> the lists are different and what they do is awesome. And they're giving you real world insight and it's great information for me to take in and digest and then try to process it and, 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 and give it fantasy value. That's what, that's what I do, you know, yep. um, where those guys are really working the grind. I'd love to do what those guys do, but I'm not, uh, I have not been offered that sort of an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Just a clarification on Listy. Listy is a righty. Um, he is, is in fact, in double-A four home okay. runs, 350-409-563 slash through 20. That's why games, I said it and, really and corrected myself and was like, I think I might yeah, be wrong. No, always going to confirm. And the same thing with Brayden Bishop, too. Again, double-A, he's slashing 288-364-20 in 80 games with a solid amount of eight home runs. Both guys containing the strikeouts pretty well. For Listy's power at, at 213 uh, on the ISO, only a 25-ish percent K rate in double-A Eastern League. He's... It's pretty good. It's respectable. I'm, I'm interested. My dad, I, I was going to mention later in the pod, is going to see Reading in Hartford. I'm obviously out in Chicago now, so uh, I have my contingent. I, have my, I guess my, my area scout. You and you and my dad are my area scouts, but he's going to see the Phillies. He's a Philly <laughs> fan. And Hazley, who we'll, we'll get to in a bit, got promoted to double A as well, so he'll be able to see Listy and Hazley of the Phillies, and I'll be interested to hear his thoughts, and I'll relay those to both Ralph and our podcast audience. But what do you say about uh, jumping into just an MILB recap? Kind of catch-up recap here, Ralph. We're not going to do a 5x5, five five, but we have a lot of notes about a page full of notes here regarding just guys that you know you mentioned to me and i kind of pulled some stats on guys that have been popping up name wise i guess we can kind of go back and forth on this i'll start off with vlad obviously this is the big name um from what i'm hearing he's going to be and i believe you're hearing too um promoted to triple a buffalo um yep. upon his return i got a quote from rob longley of the toronto sun saying unless he needs to play himself into game shape at a lower level so i guess that's a really nice qualifier to say if he looks a little rusty maybe they kick him back to new hampshire but it seems like uh this is going to be a bit of a buffalo campaign for the rest of uh, vlad rusty i don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> just give him a tee if you can hit it up over the fence yeah, he's probably right. right send him to buffalo right <laughs> he doesn't even need legs to hit he does not not at all <laughs> 
But that's good to hear he's nearing return. I'm really happy about that. Um, I want your thoughts a little bit, Ralph, on Corey Ray here. So sure. he seems to be coming on it, but he's got 16, 16 home runs in 86 games, four specifically in his last two days. Three of those came on the 11th of July, I believe. Um, he's still a sub-250 hitter across the season. He's a really, really compact approach. I was watching his swing. There isn't too much extensive video on him, particularly on YouTube from what I've been looking at. But the swing actually kind of reminded me, and I, I really don't want to draw this comp aside from just purely aesthetically in the swing, which is something I always qualify most of my comps with. Um, Jose Ramirez, in terms of how compact he is, where his hands load, very, very small stride, throws his hands on the ball. But this power display is pretty impressive for a guy that I think was top 60-ish, top 50-ish for a lot of people, and then fell right off that list after some, yeah. some heavy struggles. But it seems like he's back. Maybe it not the speed that we all anticipated, but with a little bit of power. Are you buying in, Ralph? Yeah, I'm going to have him well within my top 50, uh, 150. So mm-hmm. he's definitely going to be within the next 50 players. Um, I, I don't have the list right in front of me right now, but I want to say it's like 126, 125, somewhere about there. But the thing I like about Ray is two things. The batting average is one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, it, it might be a little bit low. But in fantasy, once again, I feel like it's such a tough category from year to year to predict on like 70% of the player pool and in terms of ownable hitters, like at the MLB level, like you have your elite guys, you can chase those guys and they give you the baseline of, of, of average. And I chase those guys early and I do a pretty good job of it. If you look at some of my, my RCL teams, I just mm-hmm. want to toot my own horn there. <laughs> um, but you fill in with guys like this that have across the board, skills and they're still going to score runs. They may score as many runs as the high average guys. Sometimes maybe more, they might drive in some RBIs depending upon where they hit in the lineup. And Ray has done that at a pretty good pace. He's going to steal bases. He hits for power and he gets on base. He gets on base at a high clip, 11.3% walk rate this year. Sure. He's going to strike out a bit. He's got 27% strikeout rate, but I can take that if he's going to be able to get on base and he's an efficient base stealer uh, on top of that 21 steals, uh, on 25 attempts, um, you know, that's, that's pretty elite numbers. It's a great rate. He's doing that at, at double a and historically Biloxi has been a very difficult place for a lot of brewers hitting prospects to flourish. And he's done just that. So, um, kudos to, to Ray for getting back onto the prospect map. Cause he was off it. And I think the other thing about Ray that we should bring up is his defense is legit. So he's a guy that could legitimately probably stick in center field and, you know, in the big leagues. So I think that boosts him even more. He's going to get some playing time. He's going to get promoted. Um, let's hope that maybe, uh, one of these, uh, Manny Machado trades happens and Keon Broxton gets out of the system. Cause, uh, Corey Ray might be one of the guys that finds some playing time. Should there be some injuries, uh, in that Brewers outfield? Absolutely. Yeah, that was something we were discussing over text regarding the Machado trade. I don't think we're going to uh, dig into it too much today, but I, no. I really like seeing trades like this when they just the prospects are just thrown around because you start to see what the real valuation is on guys. I know Justice Sheffield has been tossed around with the Yankees. We saw kind of a Broxton, Arcia, Corbin Burns package from the Brewers, which Jim Bowden, former GM, confirmed, I believe, or was possibly on the table rumored. That's the other thing, too, is it's trying to figure out, you know, is this an offered trade? Is it speculation? Is it the Orioles saying we kind of want one of these three guys or a combination? It's That's the hardest thing, I think, for me to parse out because a lot of people see a combination of, you know, you know, random guys and go, Oh my God, that's been offered. Like, I don't know if I would do that as a fan base. And it's just like, you know, you, you really don't know what's on the table until everything is said and done mm. or until Deadspin leaks something like they did. Remember that five years ago when they leaked the trade deadline negotiations, that was probably one of my favorite leaks of all time. I have to say, I really enjoyed looking through some of those messages between GMs and, and, Oh, that was fun. Good times. Throwback there. I, I don't remember. I don't know if I saw that. I don't think I saw that. I got, it I was one of the that. more unbelievable things. It's, 
it's like a dead spin. I'll try to find it. But in the meantime, Ralph, uh, how concerned are you about this Forrest Whitley oblique thing? I was reading a Lundhau quote that said they hope he doesn't miss more than a couple weeks, which is a fantastic way to say they really don't know when he's coming back. So seems like it might be a return this season. But I guess this kind of goes back to the fact that there's always risk embedded in pitching prospects. Uh, I don't know what particularly this came from. I'm a little bit concerned just because I don't know. It seems like they would have taken a lot of caution in terms of stretching him back out and bringing him back, which they seem like they were doing with terms of how they were limiting his pitches in his first couple starts back with Corpus Christi after the suspension. But at the moment, man, I I really don't know. <laughs> it seems like he's still probably the top pitching prospect. I know me and you have been debating Kopech for a while. I've been on the Kopech yeah. bandwagon and stuff. But I went Whitley. Um, you went Whitley. I mean, who knows now? I, I'm, I guess that I think the consensus seems to be Whitley, but... Um, Where's, where's on the 1 to 10, Ralph? Where's your concern on this oblique injury? Uh, I would say... White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago, with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. It's about a 6.93. Okay. Uh, okay. Let me give you an exact reading as if it was an earthquake <laughs> or something. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it feels like with pitching prospects, man, this is exactly what I'm talking about. If it's not like Tommy John surgery, then it's PRP treatments. And if it's not PRP treatments, then it's thoracic outlets uh, syndrome. And if it's not th- thoracic outlet syndrome, now it seems to be obliques. Everybody seems to be hurting their oblique. This is exactly what happened with Alex Reyes, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe this was a big injury for Syndergaard last year as well. So it, it has to be a concern. And um, with all that he's had, you know, to deal with this season with the suspension and now this, and he had a rough start before that, it's not a good look. You know, I, I, I don't want to move him down because of it. Um, we hope it doesn't linger. I hope that it's just a couple of weeks and he's back pitching and somehow he finds his way into the Astros bullpen before the end of the year. That would be fabulous. But I, you know, it just speaks to the risk with, with pitching prospects. These guys seem to, you never know the next star could always be the one where they get hurt. And it just seems like every pitcher is getting hurt constantly. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so yeah. I don't want to move down to answer your question. Don't want to move him down. Doesn't really change my evaluation of Forrest Whitley. Um, I still love the pitchers, love the talent, love the whole package in terms of the mechanics and, and, and the physicality and, you know, the, the, just everything about Whitley, I just really, really love. The more I've been able to watch him now that he's been in double A, um, I'm just obsessed. So I hope he's back quick. 
Absolutely, yeah. And and we're jump over now to two draft guys, Alec Bowman, Jonathan India. Um, I don't know if I was pulling the wrong Jonathan India stats. You said he had a strong start. It seems to be from the peripherals alone. I could be wrong on that, but I see him as six walks to five strikeouts in four games um, with no hits. Is that true, or am I looking at something wrong there? I might have pulled I that think, wrong. I think you might be a couple days behind, but ah, he uh, okay. he was a triple. He was a triple short of the cycle today. Ah, there we go. That's uh, what I wasn't including then. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought he had another hit before that, but okay. We could confirm yeah. that. I'm, I want to talk about Alec Bohm a little bit. You mentioned very alluded to him, alluded to him very briefly. 192 through 14 games. He's riding a 20% strikeout rate and a 7% walk rate. He's already up to Williamsport and low A, which is I really like. He demolished, I believe, the level below, which I don't even remember what level that was, but or where that was particularly. I know what level it was, but he's the guy I think that I have number one, and I believe you as well, Ralph, in your uh, first year player jack rankings. And I don't think we're wavering too much from that. I really like the fact that he's already well, up my to one low too. A. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. And uh, yeah, I'm a big bone guy. Too concerned. I'm not too concerned at all on that one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I, I'm really interested to see. I know that this was something we discussed a while back, Ralph, in, on the the merger CBBSN uh, fan tracks baseball show draft show that we kind of did. We talked about very yeah. briefly who would hit the major leagues first. And I think I said Casey Mize. I think there were some other you know people saying some of the top college bats in the top five but i always feel like it's never one of those guys it's always someone later and i think someone that may be flying through the minor leagues right now that i believe you you are going to rank relatively aggressively is nico horner who is a shortstop for the cubs who was just promoted to the midwest league um stanford mm-hmm. college bat 18 percent walk rate 10 percent k rate in in a ball in low a ball and through about only seven games super quick promotion they seem to really like the strides that he's made. This is, again, another uh, draftee from the 2018 class. So India, Bohm, and Horner are kind of the three we want to highlight here. Um, any further thoughts on Horner or even India? Or uh, where, where are you landing on some of these guys? Where, where was Horner in your top uh, 200-ish, Ralph? Do you remember? Uh, I can pull that up in a second. I was actually going to tell you. Um, India? Well, uh, India was like, whatever, 28 or 27 or 28. So I, I ranked India highly. And like I said, he had a a big game tonight and he was getting on base. So okay, great. not too, not too worried about that one, but no, I was going to say that uh, Horner was a guy that I ranked six, uh, 17th overall in my first year player draft rankings. Um, as far as the top 200 goes, I know he's what he's inside the top 200. So on the top 500, he's in, inside the top 200. Um, yeah, I'm watching some uh, India highlights right now on Twitter, actually. He started his career okay. 0 for 12, 2 for 2 with a double and a homer, um, which I believe happened tonight on the yep. 12th of July. So uh, my stats were, in fact, outdated. I see a little uh, photo video kind of very slanted from someone who I don't really know what this video is. But David Hicks, you have the video of Jonathan India's first home run, and it's not great. But, hey, it's a video nonetheless, so props. Uh, <laughs> um, I had uh, I have Horner 140 at the moment. So okay, as I like of that. right now, I have Horner 140. I, I, I believe in him, and one of the reasons I did, and I know I mentioned this on that show, and I've been high on him uh, even before we went in there, when we did our draft shows, was he's got a history of hitting, and he's got a history of hitting well. Uh, with the wood bat and uh, you know, excellent. I think two, two years on the Cape, two summers on the Cape, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he hit over 300, if I'm not mistaken, you know, and across those two years, really good numbers hit for a little bit of power as well. And I just think he's a good overall hitter, a guy that can move probably pretty aggressively. And sometimes these guys that fall outside of maybe the top 10 to 15 names that everyone sort of knows about and really studies up on. Sometimes the guys that fall into that, like, 18 to like 45 window are awesome prospects with a ton of fantasy value that really should be some of the guys we should be paying attention to. And so I, I try to be a little bit more aggressive on some of those guys. Mm-hmm. Trevor Larnock being one. 
I love Trevor Longback. He's in Sunny South Florida. I like him as well. I like him as well. Um, Horner, yeah, drafted 24th again by the Cubs. So this seems to be like a quick mover. Um, deviates a little bit, I believe, from the Cubs tactics in drafting the last couple of years where they went. Last year, I think they went Brendan Little and Alex Lang back-to-back, those two college pitchers. So uh, um, I'll be interested to see because that, that farm system is relatively weak in terms of who they have. I know uh, Albert Alzelay. Did he go down with something? I think he might have went down with something. Yeah, I think he's out for the year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm my, I am can't believe the name is escaping me of the Myrtle Beach. Aramis, Aramis Admin. Ah, that's it. Yes. I saw him and wasn't blown away. I feel like he's he probably going to end up more good. of a, more of a, a glove year. guy. Yeah. So I, it's an interesting timetable on the Cubs in terms of where they're looking, you know, six years down the road, what that team looks like. So, yeah. Um, but going to a team they that maybe. Guy, Leonardo uh, Jimenez, who's a pretty interesting prospect. I think, I oh, think okay. Leonardo Jimenez, I think, is a Cubs guy. I'll have to check him out. I don't think I know too much about him, actually. I know you name-dropped another guy uh, on the Philly, Zach Green, I believe I didn't know much about. So even practice prospectors like us know names or do not know names on occasion. And I think that happens for me more than Ralph, possibly, ah, because Ralph ranks he, 500 I, guys. I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. He manages the Blue Jays guy. So scratch that. <laughs> All right. No, never mind. Take <laughs> Skip, skip through or, or rewind and skip through the last uh, 30 seconds. Uh, Ralph is an idiot. Awesome. <laughs> no. Wanda Franco, Ralph. Uh, Tampa Bay, everyone seems to be relatively aggressive on him here. I have him through 20 games with three home runs, three bags. The most impressive thing clearly is a 6% walk rate to only 9% strikeout rate. 361, 404, 566 on his slash line. Talk to us a little bit about Wander Franco. I know this was the name that Ben Ballard liked a lot, if, a lot, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, I like Franco a lot. And the funny thing is, um, I came in and, and I, I like I like George Valera a lot. And somebody actually called me mm-hmm. out on this. And Valera is out for the rest of the season, likely out for the rest of the season. I believe he broke a, a hammock bone. Uh, ben Badler had told me that. And I think I might have broke some news that I shouldn't have broke. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm serious. Um, but uh, so he so he he hasn't played since the 25th of June, where Franco since then, when I was around the time I started making my rankings, Franco's hit a couple of home runs. Uh, he's been awesome. He's in uh, advanced rookie ball. You know, the approach is there. The contact is there. He's an advanced hitter. It's exciting when you see somebody like this. This is Vlad-esque or Soto-esque to see somebody at this level doing what he's done in 20 or so games, it's a small sample size, but it's so rare that you see somebody this advanced. Um, and he was highly touted. You know, he was a guy that was highly touted for the last year, like you said, by Ben Badler and baseball America. But I think across the industry in terms of the baseball, you know, uh, writers association, like the high level guys, in terms of the guys that get actual looks and talk to actual scouts, this was the number one guy for a lot of folks in the class. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because he might, he has a good chance of sticking on the left side of the infield, whether it's at short, uh, or at third base. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's one of those things though. How many years is he away? You know, is it, is it three, you know, it's true. Is, is really it four? Young. It's the yeah. race. So is it four? I mean, <laughs> How far, how far away is he? And I, uh, you know, I, I feel like Valera being an outfielder, um, and I think has a little bit more power act, honestly. Um, I think eventually is a guy that just moves a little bit quicker in that Indians organization. And they've done a really good job with their high end, like international prospects and, and picks. They've done a great job of honing those guys into very good players. I mean, Jose Ramirez, as you mentioned before, is one of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, Franco's only 17 years old. As you mentioned, he's a he's a switch hitter, obviously, shortstop. Um, can stick on the left side. He sticks on the left side with this amount of power. I think that that's when you start to see some of the possible inflation. He could be a guy that I, you know, we're looking at maybe by next year's list if he kills the rest of this season, Ralph, where he's almost like a 
like a Louis Robert kind of rank, Robert kind of rank, you know, where he's in that, you know, 50 ish yeah. window for a bit. Well, and then people moving. start to start to move up even more than like uh, Robert's now like top 25, I believe on most lists. But yeah. I think he was kind of just because we hadn't seen him. I think a lot of people maybe discounted him a little bit. And I can see that happen with Franco. If you can't get extensive looks at him in against higher level pitching, then there will be some people I bet who are divisive on him who are like, Hey, I see him top 30. He's a top 30 talent. He's young. He's really, really good. But the ball is fantastic. And then others who were like, you know, well, we haven't seen him at higher levels. So why bring him up that much higher? I'll keep him 50 yeah. to 75 and, and then incrementally increase him, which I think is a philosophy I follow a lot, which probably is to my detriment often. But um, I can't say I've seen much of Wander Franco. I have watched him tape. I remember we did this when you mentioned him to me, I believe. when I've Tyler seen more of Valera. Him. And, yeah. uh, Valera, both, both really, really smooth lefty swings um, from the left side for, um, for Franco, obviously, as a switch hitter. But uh, I'm a big yeah. fan of both. The bat the ball seems exceptional. So Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is, is Franco is a guy that will move a lot. And, you know, the, the difference in 15 to 20 spots, even at that point, isn't all that much. Because at that point, you know, you're even after 50, you're pretty much just saying I it's all preference. You know, I like this yeah. guy a little bit more um, than this guy. And, you know, it could just be small incremental sort of things. But they're both really exciting talents. And I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Franco, uh, as well as Valera, are guys that move up big you know, over the next year, but in the mid season next year, we could be talking about two very legitimate, you know, top 50, maybe even top 30 sort of ranks, especially on a, a fantasy list where we're looking at, hit, you know, hitting uh, very heavily. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And another guy I think that is already in the top kind of sphere of most lists is Royce Lewis. And he's making a case that I think move up even higher. I believe you had him inside your top 10. If I'm uh, remembering your list correctly, Ralph, on the top 100 that just debuted. I think you had him nine. Was it nine? It might be, might have been nine. That's sticking in my head at Royce, least. But Royce Lewis was 10. 10. Destin, okay, so right there. Justin yep. Heria was nine. So it was Guerrero, Tatis, Tucker, Robles, Adele, Jimenez, Bichette at seven, Senzel at eight, Keston Heria at nine, Royce Lewis at 10. Awesome. Royce Lewis since June 21st, which I believe is right after that All-Star break there. 379, yep. three home runs, 16 RBIs, even strikeout to walk ratio, 10 to 10 right now. And he's three for four on stolen bases. I think he's making a push for Myrtle Beach eventually. This is obviously a level he repeated last year. He was with Cedar Rapids for, I Fort believe. Myers. Oh, excuse me. God, yeah. <laughs> my bad there. My bad there. Sir. Fort we Myers Miracle. Late, I know. <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Lewis was obviously out at Cedar Rapids. This is, again, he's repeating the year. Um, so I think he's got about almost 90 games there now. At some point, I think this is going to turn into, I don't know why he's down there, and he should probably go up to Fort Myers. So um, he'll probably join Kirloff there. I think uh, Bruce Dargaderall is also there as well, if I'm not mistaken. And that is going to be a very, very fun team. Um, beginning of the year, I know that oh, was yeah. the Winston-Salem team was kind of that White Sox team that had a bunch of stacked talent. But as we move into the later half of the year, uh, Fort Myers Miracle might be might be that team to watch in terms of just how much pure talent, pure like top you are you like top fifty yeah. talent? I think if you're if you're aggressive on Bruce Star, if you take Bruce Star out, you're looking at top twenty twenty five talent. Two guys in the top twenty twenty five on the same team is awesome. I think that Cedar Rapids team was like that. I mean, because they yeah, had they all these, really these guys for the most part. I mean, even some of these guys like uh, Blankenhorn, who's not a bad a bad hitter yep. at all. He's a decent little prospect. And uh, uh, oh, uh, Jacob Pearson. Jacob Pearson's another guy mm-hmm. that I, I like a lot. As I've been digging in more and more, looking at the tape, looking at the stats, he's a guy that's going to be sort of mentioned and. Uh, this is one of the reasons that I feel like I've expanded like my universe so much by ranking so many more players of like, I can like so many more guys, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. More recommendations you know, like, when, it, when yeah, the average person is like, like give me like, all the deep prospects that are going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's so many of those guys that like, it's just, I can't even roster all of them in, in all the teams that I have, you know? So, uh, yep. there's just a lot of good players, but I keep on getting back to it. But yeah, Royce Lewis has been phenomenal. I'm glad I, I ranked him 10. 
Um, I think he's going to be holding there for a few years as he makes his way through and hopefully yeah. he sticks, sticks at shortstop and this guy could potentially be a, a superstar in real life. And I think at fantasy as well with the sort of skill set that he has, you know, absolutely. I think that he's got a, a, a really, really good chance to take it short from what I saw out the Midwest league all-star game. When I saw him, he's, his range was exceptional. Um, I liked what everything too. I saw. Oh, unbelievable sock. The Batman socks were, were awesome. He's a super nice guy too. He's talking to everyone a lot. So um, I, I, I much respect for Royce Lewis. I really wish him the best, and I'm, I'm, I'm very aggressive on him as well. So he's going to be fun to watch. Some of those twin guy, twins guys are going to be fun to watch overall. Another guy who's going to be fun to watch is Esteban Florial now that he's back from his hamate bone injury. Um, I believe it was a hamate bone in, in his wrist. I'm not exactly sure on the kinesiology side here if I'm, any of these terms are correct or accurate. We ain't, but we ain't doctors, people. We ain't doctors, so not at all. <laughs> um, but he's back now. He's got four games, and he's got a homer, four walks to one strikeout. That's probably the most encouraging. I think that the biggest takeaway from this, Ralph, is that the Yankees seemed like they took enough time to let him kind of rest and get this bone, get this injury back to completely 100% healthy. And uh, hopefully he starts dropping that strikeout rate a little bit, becoming the top 30-ish, 40-ish prospect that he was in the past. And I think a lot of people kicked him back down to kind of that 50, 60, 70 window just with the concern around this, with the concern around him jumping up a level and maybe not producing as much as they thought. But again, maybe that was all a consequence of the injury. 36, 36. 36. 36. There we go. 36. That's right, Captain. I I don't want to move him too much. There was a lot of guys. Like, I kept Brian McMahon pretty much the same at 22. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I, like, as much as he struggled this year, he's had such a weird year. Like, I just don't want to totally back off this guy. Exactly. I've seen, I've seen him too much and seen how good he is to, to just totally, you know, poo poo all that. So, yeah, anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, Floreal back. I'm excited to see it. He's been stealing some bases, hit a homer the other day. So, uh, all good stuff to see. Absolutely. I want to I want to increase that sample size for him and get him to like a couple weeks, two weeks out and then really start to look back and dig in to see where that strikeout rate is stabilizing. At. I think that's going to be a, a fun thing for a lot of people, to, especially in the Yankees universe, as it seems like a lot of those arms that are coming through are just young pitchers. But, you know, there are some bats still sticking around in that system um, that I think just haven't really gotten the opportunity to play simply because that team at the major league level is so stacked. But Floreal is far enough off where maybe in a couple of years he becomes that guy like the Gleber side where you're really, really getting tantalized as a Yankee fan for him coming through the system. So. Very interested to see Florial rest of the season. Um, Kristen Pache, Ralph, I think he's another guy you ranked relatively aggressively. I know this is a guy that I have weirder opinions on in terms of what I just see the eventual ceiling as, but I think that he's going to be a very good player at the major league level. I just think that I've always been a little skeptical with the bat, but he may be proving me wrong a little bit. He's got a home run in back-to-back games on Tuesday and Wednesday, which I believe was the 10th and 11th of July here, as I'm making sure my dates are right as we're recording on the 12th. Yeah, we're recording on the 12th. Or, yes. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> so he's got eight home runs on the season after not homering, I believe, in over 750 plate appearances. He had, again, that really odd game in the extended spring where he hit two home runs in a inner squad game for the Braves in SunTrust and then proceeded to not hit a bunch of home runs as he seemed to project in that game. And the excitement died down a little bit. Now it seems to be picking back up in terms of where this bat is eventually getting to. I think I still see it more as average to below average power and hopefully average to below average hit with a plus plus speed plus plus glove plus plus throw and that's kind of where on the fantasy side of things i i i hesitate just a little bit because if the three best tools of his will always be the tools that really don't matter too much for fantasy sure it might get him playing time it might buy him a regular playing slot i know that the fan graphs guys continually compare him to kevin pr uh, pilar of the toronto blue jays and valuable player i think that's a top 200 guy but i think that maybe we're a little too aggressive on how much power will eventually come. But I, I think you have a slightly different opinion here, Ralph. So um, give us your aggression on him and where you eventually see that back going to. 
Yeah, I think he has the ability to get to 2020 with a good batting average. And I, I think that PR is like a floor for him. I think that there's a ton of upside here in terms of what we can see, the development that we've seen, you know, as young as he is. I know that we had that that tweet. I don't have it in front of me. Maybe you can you can grab it. And oh, I had it a second ago. It? You know, that was, you know, in terms of uh, oh, the Kirsten over tweet. over. Yeah. You know, Connor uh, Kirk on. Yeah. It sent out that, uh, you know, over the last 10 years, you know, I think Pache, uh, Isaac Paredes, and uh, Andres Jimenez. Yep, I can, I can the, read it right the now. Highest, I got it up. The highest uh, slugging percentages in the Florida State League in the last 10 years, right? Spot on, yeah. I always butcher his name. I don't know why I say Kirsan. It's Kirkon, obviously, so I apologize, Connor. I think it's Kirkon. Um, yeah. <laughs> hopefully it's Kirkon. <laughs> the tweet is, if Isaac Paredes, Christian Pache, and Andres Jimenez all finished this year with the triple slash line they have at the moment, they would have the three highest slugging totals from a teenager in the Florida State League in the past 10 years. So that is thoroughly impressive. And I think this kind of goes to a little bit of a tangent that we've been on for a while here, Ralph. Just regarding my weird theory that maybe we look back in a couple years and realize that we've been a little bit too much or too faded on a lot of the young, young pitching prospects and just how much and how successful they've been. But on the other side of that coin, you know, there's so much risk in them for the fantasy side of things. It's probably easier, as as I know we both agree on, for like the top 75-ish to, to go in on hitters. But... My thinking is like, well, it seems like maybe this youth movement and the success we've seen in youth isn't all tailored just to hitting. Maybe some of this is going to rub off on pitching and we'll get some guys who, as we were talking about earlier, our pre-show, I believe, just the theory behind, you know, pitchers always developing. And we see a lot of guys like the Max Scherzers and even Garrett Coles, who like are 26, 27, 28 before they really start to click everything. Verlander is another guy who pitched really well, went through a weird slump and then comes back. But that seems to be the model for elite pitchers for an extended period of time. You know, we've had guys like Aaron Nola, we've had guys like Luis Severino who kind of break that mold a little bit Severino a little bit more out of nowhere with his changeup that started to decimate lefties and the slider and everything kind of clicked for him Nola was just a guy I think who had some mechanical tweaks he had to make from LSU and then next thing you know you turn around his curveballs I think still one of the best in baseball to me and uh but then you know you never know maybe we start getting more guys like who are younger who are 20 Mitch Kellers the Mitch Kellers of the world who are in the 21 window decent control you project out the control a little bit maybe they start to feel for their changeup a little bit earlier and then by the time they're 23 24 you start to see really really good success and extended success and this is again one of those things we're gonna have to look back on in a couple of years i think and really start to analyze but um i just i don't know maybe my thinking is more just trying to be open to change rather than actually thinking it will be it will mm-hmm. happen but this is a really good good tweet from Kirkon in terms of just highlighting how much talent we're having at florida state league right now that's really young that's yeah. hitting really well yeah and i think the thing with i think the thing with Pache, just sort of going back to him too is i view him as a guy with an above average hit tool an average to above average power okay. with the plus plus bleed and the plus plus glove in a good organization. He's going to be in a good team in a good ballpark. And I don't think he's a player that any, anybody really wants to move in fantasy or in yeah. real life just because of what he's he could blossom guy. into yep. because he's so young for what he's doing. And we've seen the approach uh, uh, approach improve. Now he's not running as much, but I really don't worry about that. I'm, I'm sure he's going to steal bases, mm-hmm. but the, you know, the fact that the, the hitting has improved, the approach has improved, the power has improved, all really good signs when he has such a high baseline with sort of those just, you know, uh, auxiliary baseball skills and the fielding and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, that's why I had Pache at 38 and somebody actually offered me my uh, my number 21 prospect, Tyler O'Neill for Pache. But I know he's a Braves prospect and I actually in this league, it's an NL only league, uh, 10 team, and we only have like. 12 prospects, like 10, 10 or 12 prospects. Mm-hmm. 
I want to have guys that I can hold and keep. And and yeah, Tyler O'Neill, yeah. I know, is going to get forced up, and I have like McCutcheon and uh, Starling Marte. Yeah, yep. and like a bunch of you know a bunch of uh, good guys in the major league start side that I'm not going to be getting rid of. So yeah, I couldn't make the deal. I'm still thinking about it. I didn't reject it yet because I, I feel <laughs> like on a lot of leagues I would make that deal in a second, especially if like I wanted to like build something up and get a little bit closer. Just because I so believe in Tyler O'Neill being a middle of the order bat, but the fact that this guy's a Braves fan, he's got to pay a tax for a Braves player, and yep. uh, <laughs> and also the fact that you know uh, I want a guy that's a couple years off, so <laughs> he's somebody I think is you know worth holding on to. Plus, I need pitching, so if I'm going to trade anything, I'm going to trade I'm going to trade Pache for pitching. So there you go. That's the rationale behind it. Ralph, uh, let's finish out. Uh, let's talk Rotoware. Actually, you know, really quickly, I want to mention Adam Hazer sure. again promoted to Double oh, okay, Reading. Cool. And Jared Kalenic batting 451 in rookie ball, 21% strikeout rate to 8% walk rate. That, uh, again, Kalenic obviously drafted a uh, top five ish. Or was he? I don't know, top five or six by the Mets. He was the first high school guy off the board. Six. And Hazley was the Virginia bat from prior. Six on, on Jared Kalenic. Um, Rotoware, Ralph, let's drop them. Kenny Cashman, what's he been doing? What's he up to? He's the Jared Kalenica T-shirts, who's 67 oh. on my top 100. But he'd be even better. He's the he's the frozen lemonade of T-shirt makers. <laughs> Kenny is doing big things. He's changing the things around. I want to mention something, by the way. Sure. I've been saying that the Rotoware Classic shirts, you could get this, the Sagnoff on 20%. It's not. It's just on the Rotoware shirt. So all those awesome uh, designs that we've been talking about for weeks, months, years now, even on some of them, uh, you know, going back the 80 grade shirt is one of my favorite prospect stashers. Another really good one. He's got the crab army shirt that's available that, and that's the highest quality material. Some of his best designs, all fantasy focused, really good stuff. He's got the rotoware classic stuff as well. You can't use our promo code on it, but that's all the topical shirts from all the different teams. Even just funny sayings. He's got the phenom shirt that sort of has the Acuna, uh, the Braves print with like the, uh, the Acuna tilde over it. I love that one. I think is killing it. Uh, Mitch, Mitch, uh, Hanniger, he made shirts for him. Hanniger's bought the shirts. James Paxson's bought the shirts. Uh, you know, Tyler, Tyler O'Neill, uh, Brad Ziegler bought some shirts going back to the old school with the, the veterans, Brad Ziegler. Uh, and I think Love another one that actually popped up was Wade LeBlanc. He made a white, a Wade LeBlanc shirt and Wade LeBlanc and his wife were the ones that ordered it funny <laughs> enough. So yeah. So Kenny's doing big things. He's got a lot of great designs. Like I said, you can go either over to RotoWare and you can use our promo code Sagnoff S A G N O F to get 20% off all your purchases there. And then you could pop over. If you want to buy a couple more t-shirts over to the RotoWare classic side of things and get some of those direct orders. He partners with Amazon on that and Amazon is greedy. So they don't want to, <laughs> they don't want to give you discounts. That's what it's about. Don't blame Kenny, blame Amazon. Blame Bezos. Damn it. Bezos. Big, big things coming from Kenny though. I think he's, He's figuring some things out, so uh, be on the lookout for some uh, new and improved uh, operations and, sure, products and everything else coming out from Rotoware because Kenny's always uh, always improving. He's the man, you know? He's like these it. prospects. His development, his ceiling is is endless. It's a glass ceiling. <laughs> I love it. Yes, yeah, so signing off on the promo code just for the Rotoware site itself, but again, Regardless, I think that they're still uh, exceptionally affordable in terms of the pricing. Usually, most of them, I think, are right around $22. If you have Amazon Prime, I think that would maybe still apply, Ralph. I'm not too sure. Maybe you can confirm with Kenny and get yourself free shipping on those. But, I don't know. I don't trust eh, that Bezos guy. Don't trust Bezos at all. No. <laughs> but, uh, Ralph, futures game. Um, let's talk some futures Woo. game. I'm going to pull up the roster, run through it very, very quickly here, and then we can kind of highlight some of the guys we're really interested in. I'll go through the U.S. team first. I'll run through everyone, and then we can do the world team. So let's start with the U.S. team. On the pitching side of things, 
We have Sean Anderson, Dylan Cease, Hunter Green, Dakota Hudson, Mitch Keller, Matt Manning, Luis Ortiz, C.D. Fellum, Justice Sheffield, and Kyle Wright. Catchers are Danny Jansen and recently added Andrew Neiser. Um, Peter Alonzo, Boba Sheck, Brian Hayes, Keston Heria, Carter Keboom, Nate Lowe, Ryan Mountcastle, Brendan Rogers, Joe Adele, Alex Kirilov, Kyle Lewis, Buddy Reed, and Taylor Trammell. That is an absolutely stacked team. The manager is, of course, Tory Hunter. Who else? Um, the guys that I'm, <laughs> I'm really interested here, Ralph, I have just my most excited to see um, on this team particularly are Adele and Trammell. And the one guy, or two guys that I think it might surprise in terms of who might uh, – be really interesting to watch and keep an eye on. I'm going to go with my boy, Brian Hayes, who I always bring up, and Dylan Cease. So that's kind of my quad of guys that I'm interested, particularly on the guys I'm interested in watching, Ralph. Um, I think this goes back to one of the things we were talking about in terms of just the quality of video and particularly being able to see some of these lower A guys, low A, whether it's Midwest League, whether it's high A, even like a Adele guy who's in high A, just against other pure good talent that basically equates to a higher level. So this is, to me, almost like guys are playing at an elevated level, just because everyone around them is so good. You're going to get pitchers on both sides of the ball who are generally four, five, six inning guys who are throwing one inning or two innings, depending on how they kind of backload and, and get everybody in the game and such. So I'm really interested to see how a lot of these guys look on their breaking ball recognition, particularly how they look against very good breaking balls as well as Hunter Green's slider, obviously. You got Dylan Cease's, uh I think he's got a curveball. Justin Sheffield has a disgusting slider from the left side. And it's and Mitch Keller, again, he's another guy with a great curveball. Um, a lot of these guys, I just I want to see some of these lower-level guys, especially Tramiel and Adele, against better pitching, against better breaking balls. I think that's what I come back to the most. I think we kind of know what we're getting out of a lot of these other guys, possibly like Peter Alonzo, um, even like a guy like Brendan Rodgers. We, me and you have seen so much. You know, It's yeah, going to be have. great to see him on a or stage Bobichette, like that. Yeah. Or Bobichette, <laughs> you know. But I think for me, it just comes back to some of these guys I haven't really gotten looks at and seeing them in good video like this. I'm very, very interested. Is that something you kind of abide by in terms of who you're highlighting? Who are you interested for on the U.S. Yeah, side? sure. I would say that one of the top guys that jumps out to me is somebody I haven't gotten a ton of great video. I mean, I've seen a lot of good video, but I haven't been able to like sit and watch a total at bat, you know, that like, on my own, on my own television. That's Nate Lowe. Yeah, Nate yeah. Lowe is one. I'm a big Ryan Mountcastle fan, so I'm excited to see him in the game. Uh, he's been hitting very well of late, and uh, my faith has never, never wavered in the Mountcastle. I always get higher <laughs> and higher on him. I'm excited to see K. Brian Hayes because I've gotten bought, bought more and more in. He snuck into my top 100. I was moving guys up and down, in and out. I said, I can't move K. Brian Hayes <laughs> out of the top 100, not for Lance. So, And I believe in it because I think across the board he's got excellent skills, and yep. if the power ticks up a little bit, and it has, I mean, he hits for some power. He's got it's gap power slowly. with the speed. If the power ticks up even a little bit, because of the quality of the contact that he makes, he's a guy that could be awesome. So it's going to be exciting to see him. Of course, Joe Adele. Everyone wants to see Joe Adele. And I have this strange infatuation with wanting to see Buddy Reed. I'm shocked okay. that he made this game. He's somebody that we've all written off. He's had an excellent statistical season. Um, but I still think I have a lot of questions about what exactly Buddy Reed is and if he's somebody that we should buy into. He could potentially have a big game because he's a switch hitter, a lot of tools, big athletic guy. He actually went to high school in uh, Rhode Island, and yeah, yeah, yeah at uh, some prep school. But he, he's a he's a he's a really interesting prospect because he's kind of still low for me on my my top five hundred. He's in there, but he's still pretty low, mm -hmm. and I'm very skeptical. So I'm excited to see him. Of course, Keston Heria, I love I love Heria, so I'm excited to see him on the pitching side. Of course, Hunter Green. I think everyone's going to probably say that. But Matt Manning is the guy that jumps out to me that I want to be able to watch. He's been good this year. We've been a big fan. He's a guy that obviously didn't have a full-time baseball background, played a lot of high-level basketball, 
probably because his father was an NBA player. Yep. Have to mention that. It actually is written in my contract every time I bring up <laughs> Matt Manning. But uh, I'm excited to see him because he continues to progress as a pitcher, and he's a really exciting talent. So um, I'm kind of pumped to see him. So th- those are the guys in the U.S. team that I'm uh, excited to see. I've seen a lot of Mitch Keller and, and some of these other guys, so um, mm-hmm. that's not a big deal. But, yeah, kick it back to you on the world team. What are your thoughts? Unless you had anything else you wanted to mention on Team USA. Yeah, very b- briefly on Buddy Reed. He's an interesting one, particularly because it doesn't seem like it's a team representation thing. I know there are a couple other guys here. They try to get someone in from each team. But they have taught these scenarios in this game already on the San Diego side. So it seems like it's purely performance-based. He hit 324 in high A with 12 home runs. He was 33 for 40 on the bases as well. A really, really good season. 24% striker rate, 7% walk rate. He jumped up to double A in San Antonio now. Um, it looks like he's only played a game there and he's gone over four. So again, stupid small sample. Don't dig into that at all. And then Matt Manning's another one too. He's crested across two levels in 2018 from A ball to high A. Um, the strikeouts have maintained consistently, which is something I really like to see with some of these really young arms. Matt Manning is only 20 years old. He doesn't turn 21, I don't believe, until next year in January. Um, and his ERA has been fantastic in the 10 innings or so that he's pitched in high A. But uh, the walks are always concerned with him, so I'd be interested to see kind of his control. I know he's a guy, I believe, who has a little bit um, of a really heavy black back leg drive that I think might be almost in the cease category of back leg drives in terms of how that might be thrown off some of his commands. So he's one I, I actually – I think that's a very good point to bring him up. I'm really interested to see him, probably even more than cease maybe, because I've seen a lot of tape of cease. I haven't seen too much good video of Matt Manning. So I'm really interested to peek at those mechanics and see how he works and how fluid it is and stuff, especially against better hitters and hopefully he doesn't lose his control too much because that seems to be one of the recurring issues with him. But world team, we could run through this quick. Eniel De Los sure. Santos, I believe he's now disqualified because he pitched at the major league level. I could be wrong on that. So uh, um, I'll be interested to see who they replace on the Phillies pitching side of things. Um, Jorge Guzman, obviously, I believe one of your one of your big guys from the past who I've always kind of knocked. But I think he's still obviously a relevant prospect for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, he's still really good. Jason yep. Jason Woodell will, will punch you in the face for saying anything negative about him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jan Lopez, we have Kirian Lovegrove, Jesus Lazardo. Again, this is probably one of the bigger presenting arms in this um, whole, I, I'd say, between both teams that has performed at, at higher levels. Success. I'm really, really excited to see him. Brian Mata, Luis Thorpe, Jesus Tinoco, the old Hartford yard goat who we thought was nothing, but showed pretty two pretty good breaking balls when we saw him. I think pitched once or twice this year, Ralph. Alex yeah. Wells, Miguel Amaya jumping over to catchers now. Miguel Amaya. Francisco Mejia, I thought he would be ineligible for this. Um, but I guess not, because um, I figured if you were ineligible if you had major league time, but I, I guess I'm wrong on that. Um, and Kiebert Ruiz is is probably one of the more very, very interesting ones in terms of youth and how much upside he has. Even though he is a catcher on the fantasy side of things, maybe that discounts him a little bit. I think he had two homers tonight, too. Wow. Yeah, that's a, I remember I really never liked that swing from the right side, so I actually hope he kind of gets a chance to face a lefty and see if I see if he's polished it up at all. On the infield for the world team, Jordan Alvarez, Luis Garcia, Andres Jimenez, Dawa Lugo, Fernando Tatis Jr., Luis Urias Pera, Padres, um, highly touted prospects right there. Randy Rosarena in the outfield for the Cardinals. Luis Alexander Basabe, I believe, for the White Sox here, who got kicked up. I saw him out in Winston-Salem this year. Yusniel Diaz, Suli Matias, who I also saw out in Lexington. Um, I'm really excited to see him and the individual right after him here, Helio Ramos, um, two guys with immense power. I'm really, really interested in terms of what I was talking about, some of these lower-level guys facing advanced pitching with advanced breaking balls. That's where Suli and, and Ramos come in for me. These are the two guys that I really want to see how the breaking ball recognition is against higher-level competition. Um, I didn't think Suli's was good at all against some of the guys that he faced in Lexington, so I'd really like to see how he does against some of these other guys. Even if it's only a small sample, I think we could still kind of read in to see how pitchers are seeing 
sequencing him if they just really go heavy curveballs, heavy sliders, whatever they're throwing, breaking balls against him, or if they try to challenge him with a fastball. Because I think he does have the bat speed to get around on the fastball. So there's a good chance we see like a, a solid Suli bomb or a really nice Helio Ramos shot here if they're if they're trying to challenge either of these guys with fastballs. And then you get Jesus Sanchez from the Rays and Leody Tavares. This team is coached by um, David Ortiz, actually, which I just realized now. It's kind of funny. And Vlad Guerrero is here, um, actually, which is very funny. So uh, I wish his, his son was here, unfortunately, but obviously working his way back from some lower half injuries. Ralph, world team is also stacked as well. Some higher upside guys. I almost feel like this world team has some of the guys I'm interested in that are maybe in lower levels. I know Kiebert Ruiz is actually up in AA, which is aggressive. But uh, um, who are you interested in in particular? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to knock your socks off with a name that uh, you probably never would have guessed I would be excited about. But okay. that would be the uh, left-handed pitcher from the Twins, Lewis Thorpe. Okay. He's uh, an interesting guy to me. Smaller lefties from Australia, actually, which is why he is on the world team. But had pretty decent numbers uh, last year across a couple of levels, touched double-A been in double a this year and he's four and four with a 3.95 era across uh, 84 innings whips a little bit high he can get hit a little bit but he misses a ton of bats he doesn't walk a lot of guys uh, if you look at his you know uh, k per nine it's 11.3 uh walk per nine 2.5 so I, I, he's an interesting guy i just want to see him pitch and, and as i dug into numbers and watched the stuff a little bit um i was higher and higher on him as i was making this list he did make the top 500 He's somebody I'm just really interested to see more of. So um, obviously I want to see Jesus Lazardo, but other guys that jump out to me, I'd love to see Kybert Ruiz. It'd be great to see from the others, you know, from both sides. Miguel Amaya, I haven't seen much of it all. So I really would like to see Miguel Amaya hit. Um, I'm always excited to see Jordan Alvarez, but I've seen him. I've seen Andre Jimenez a ton. I've seen Tatis a ton. I've seen Urias a ton. Louis Garcia is a guy that I really haven't seen a lot of good tape on because he's been in the lower levels. He's hit pretty well. Um, he was promoted to um, advanced uh, high A, wasn't he? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I could check. Recent, very see. recently. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I'm almost positive he was promoted uh, uh, to their Carolina League affiliate. But he's a guy I'm excited to see. I want to see uh, Basabi in terms of you know his his rebound year here. Of course, Suli, I didn't get to see personally because I wasn't traveling in the passenger seat with a mixtape with Lance as he traveled <laughs> across the heartland. I wish I wish I was Helio Helio or Elio Ramos. I want to see Elio Ramos. I want to see Jesus Sanchez. I want to see Leody Tavares using El Diaz. I want to see like all of the guys that are in their outfield with the exception of like Randy Arizarena, who I just really don't give a damn about. Yeah. I'm honest with you, but yeah, the Cardinals like, rep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're a little bit softer on the pitching side. Of course they have Lizardo, but outside of that, I think it's just, it's the batters. It's the hitters, the lineup. It's just a ton of, of, of thunder and speed and good contact guys. They just, they can build an awesome lineup with the prospects that they have here. Absolutely. I, I really agree with you there. I, uh, this is going to be fun. I think this is going to be really fun, especially it is. Have some, of these, some of these really good world, or excuse me, U.S. arms matched up against some of these international hitters. It's going to be a blast. Um, I'm interested to see who starts as well. I don't know if you have any predictions on that. It might be fleeting in terms of how necessary it is, but uh, mm. let's see a Luzardo versus uh, oh, Hunter Green. Yeah. Why not? Keller. Keller? You're going to go Keller? I'll go Hunter Green. I think Keller. I think Keller will get the start. Okay. I like it. I like it. Luzardo versus see, Keller. Uh, Who's the manager again? Oh, Tony Hunter's the manager. Okay. Um, pitching coach, they have Latroy Hawkins. Man, this coaching staff is unbelievable. <laughs> I love it already. Joel Hanrahan. Oh, my God. You remember him, the reliever for the Pirates? He's in the bullpen, apparently. Uh, oh, this is just great. Matt LaCroix, too. Oh, God. I, I just love the coaches almost as much as the players. <laughs> Me, too. This is awesome. Oh, Ralph. 
This is a, we almost kept this relatively short. I don't know if we have anything else we wanted to kind of touch on. I think we're only at an hour. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. How do we manage to only be in an hour? But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I figured the only other thing we could have mentioned was that list of like my commenter did of all the different players that I was significantly higher on. I don't know. Significantly was at least the high man on. It was like 30 players. Oh, I think that has to happen. Did I did see not that? see that comment. No, oh, my, it that. wasn't loading on my phone when I was, was commuting uh, home. Let me pull okay. this up quick. Do you remember what the up. name of the commenter was? Yeah, it's in my article. It's right down the bottom. Okay, okay. If see. you go to it. But but there was like a ton of different players that I was uh, significantly oh, higher Oh, here we go. I got it. Yeah. Yankee Candle Factory Worker. <laughs> yep. Thanks so much for this. Of the seven industry list I've laid out side by side on a Google Sheet that I solely use for the purpose of reassuring myself that my prospects are the best prospects. So far, you are officially the high man on these guys. I will go through them. I'll go through them. Wow, there's a lot here. I'll go through them pretty quick. Kyle Tucker, Joe Adele, Jesus Sanchez, Francisco Mejia, Alex Kirloff, Austin Riley, Tyler O'Neill, Ryan McMahon, Alec Bohm, Khalil Lee, Jonathan India, Luis Urias, Nick Madrigal, Ryan Mountcastle, Christian Pache, Yusniel Diaz, Suli Matias, George Valera, Jeter Downs, Trevor Larnock. Jordan Groshans, Nathaniel Lowe, Nate Lowe, Blake Rutherford, Nolan Jones, Calvin Mitchell, Hudson Potts, Isan Diaz, O'Neill Cruz, Freddy Peralta, Luis Alexander Basabe, Lazaro Armenteros, Brandon Lowe, Matt Thias, Cabrian Hayes, Daz Cameron. Whew. Ralph, you, notice, you are the high man. I love it. Do you notice anything uh, consistent about all those guys except for one? Um, a lot of them are bats. I believe almost all of them, They're right? They're all bats except for Willie Peralta. And Willie Peralta is in the major leagues and should be owned in pretty much all 12 team leagues at this point. I because see. Because of what his, really what his numbers are. He's yeah, exactly. I, you're right. He, he, is the, he is the perfect point to what I'm trying to get across in my rankings now, especially high end. Right. You saw like a little bit deeper down. I really start to list a lot, a lot, a lot of pitchers. I like a lot of pitchers, but I just don't yep. value them the same way I do with hitters. I'm saying if you're starting a dynasty team and you're saying I'm building from scratch, I'm building from the ground up. I want all prospects. I'm not even going to draft any major league guys. I want you to start like this. I want you to start with maybe only like the highest end pitching prospects, like a Mize or someone like that, but really target those hitters and go after those guys and, and just heavily just keep on investing in bats. And I just think that's the way to go in dynasty leagues. And, and that's what I'm writing for. I'm writing for a fantasy site. You know, maybe one day I'm 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 writing you know uh, uh, ranks for you know uh, uh, on real baseball where I, I don't think anyone Razball wants that, but who knows? Maybe I, I make those sort of ranks, like scouting ranks or something like that. Yep. And then I do value pitching a little more. Defense matters a little bit more. Um, but these are my opinions, and I, I I as Lance can attest, I dug in on these guys so much oh, where yeah. it was like I had them on a Google sheet, and the cool thing is I could just click on them and then like explore. And then just like click on all the different stats and pages and look at videos and everything right over there on the side and then make a determination of like one guy versus one guy almost do like side by side comparisons. I love it. And uh, sometimes it's just bias. Other times you're just like, I think this guy can get even better. So I'm going to rank him stupid high, you know. Um, and then there's other times where a guy like Austin Hayes, that is, as bad as he's been, as rough as this year has been, I don't want to just drop him to like 170 because there's a bunch of guys that have had better years than him too. I think we're so reactionary on lists. So um, maybe that's why I'm so high on some of these guys. And the other thing is, I don't know what industry list he's looking at. Cause if it's like baseball, America baseball prospectus for baseball, not the fantasy list or fan graphs, those lists yes, are yes. very different very. from mine. Mm-hmm. You know what they are looking for and what they're trying to value is very different than what I value. 
but I, I chase bats anyway, and I'm, I'm not going to be ashamed about it. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's huge too. And list construction as a whole, I think you need to have a consistent theme. And when, when there isn't one that's easily picked out, then you start to question exactly how it was put together and whether it was just a completely standard, you know, regurgitation of, or a compilation or an aggregate rank system of a lot of other lists, you know? So um, I, I think that honestly, like, people who rely on one list are, are relatively naive in how they work. And I think that you'd even attest to that too. You know, you want to look yeah. at your list in compilation with others and see and really understand why someone, I always bring up why someone is higher on a certain player than another. You know, if you're on a high man on all these guys, like you have reasoning on behind this. And there's obviously things that you believe these guys will develop into that others don't. And I think that that's really, really valuable information, especially if you could hammer down the specifics of why, and then you can understand why and really look for those traits going forward. And if they improve, I've always been a really guy who's, who's high on Cabrian Hayes. I know that Fangrass is even, higher than me they're really aggressive but again that's a real life list where they really value his defensive ability at third base and i just think that he's got really good bat the ball and his power will, or jump up over the next couple of years in terms of if he adjusts any bit on yeah. his bat path so that's that's why i'm higher on him and it's one of those things you gotta think understanding those small quirks as to why you really like a guy are very very important yeah and i, I think you know overall you know hitting matters so absolutely <laughs> that's the last thing i'll say on that but <laughs> it's funny like i i did these ranks this time and i didn't you know, I feel like before I would kind of just do the ranks, the players I liked, and then it was about the write-ups, you know, where yep. I didn't do write-ups this time on purpose. I didn't read anybody else's list. So I, I actually can finally dig into Baseball America now. I can read. I don't think the prospectus one is out yet. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'd have to double check. Don't think so. And I can read the fan graphs one now. Like, I, I didn't get an opportunity to look at any of those because I did. And even some of the other guys, like, I haven't looked at Eric Cross's yet from fan, from fan tracks. I haven't. I haven't looked at, um, you know, Ray Butler from prospect 365. I haven't looked at all these because I didn't want, even if I retweeted them, I, I didn't want their influence on my ranks. I wanted it to be like me and the couple of people I brought in for certain types of perspectives. You're my, you're my pitching guy. You give me pitching perspective, Lance. Where <laughs> I like love it. Tom Trudeau is like my dynasty ranking guy. He gives me some perspective of that. And Mike is an excellent dynasty owner that plays in a bunch of different formats. Yeah, and I feel Mike's like, really good. I feel like he's not as extreme as Tom can be at times. Like Tom is so out. He's brilliant, but he's so out there in terms of how he builds teams that I think it's tough for a lot of people to adapt to that approach. Cause he just goes such bats and so young and so much <laughs> upside. Um, and, but I think he's right. I think he's onto something. I think it's the reason he wins so much, but Mike it. does it a little bit differently. So I brought him into the fold as well. to we get some fantasy sort of opinions. And then of course, all the stuff conversations I have with, you know, uh, Jason Waddell and yep, Matt Thompson yep, really and, Marini, yep. and all these guys and just anybody that's getting good looks, you know, John Cavagno has a ton of great looks in a lot of these players. And I just try to digest all that information that I could, um, from all the sources that I know are, are reliable. And I even asked Ben Badler a lot of questions and, and Ben's, you know, uh, gracious enough to answer me when I, <laughs> when I send him <laughs> messages, it's kind of crazy to think that, but, uh, Overall, man, I'm I'm excited. The list came out. The 500s coming as well, uh, and uh, it's gonna it's it's a fun time. A lot of lists. We're gonna keep dropping lists. And I think next week I'm actually gonna do like uh, a wrap up on the top 100. Maybe I'll do write ups next Thursday when I lead off, um, or I'll just sort of rehash the top 100, top 500, or something like that. You know. I love it. I love it, Ralph. Uh, for everyone joining us on the Prospect Podcast, we appreciate. You, do you have any final words here, Ralph, for the beautiful people of Razzball? I know we have Futures Game Sunday, your list, Top 500 Sunday as well. So a lot of content that is very applicable to things that are happening right now in baseball. So we encourage you to check out everything Razzball has. Razzball.com, RotoWare, as always, you know, at Prospect Jesus for him, at Lance Brozdow, B-R-O-Z-D-O-W for me. Follow us on Twitter, beautiful people of Razzball. 
Um, be graced by Ralph's words as we let you go. Thanks for listening, guys. White Castle presents CEO Lisa Ingram. My great-grandfather opened White Castle in 1921, which is why I'm excited to announce the new 1921 slider, inspired by how we made them 100 years ago, with a 100% beef patty topped with cheddar cheese, caramelized onions, tomato, lettuce, and pickles. Come see why originality never goes out of style. I'm Lisa, but you can call me the Slider Queen. White Castle. Long live sliders. Pasteurized processed cheese at participating castles. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232.